Good morning. Good to see you this morning. See such a nice looking crowd here with us today. And it's always good to be back. Thank you, Joe, for that welcome. Uh, it's always good to be back with, with, with home folks and to uh, share together. Uh, again, thanks to Our musicians this morning, Paul and Wanda and Pam and the choir, y'all always do such a great job, and we thank you for that. And I, I'm grateful for the hymns that were selected this morning there. Uh, you know, it's always good to sing some of the, the old songs that, that stir our emotions a little bit. Uh, you know, there are times when, 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 when we get a little discouraged in our walk with the Lord. Uh, when things just don't seem to be uh, going the way we would like for them to, whether that be in our own individual lives or as a church body, there there are times when we just we feel like Satan is just just against us all the time, uh, and we get discouraged. And it's it's always good sometimes to 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 remember, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, where we came from. And remember the, the good things. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about rediscovering our first love. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 2. Uh, John, as we know, had, had gone to the Isle of Patmos and had been exiled there. And while he was there, he, he, he got caught up into this, to, to heaven. And there he was, it was revealed to him these certain things that he needed to say and, and he starts out talking to the seven churches of Asia. And then and the first one deals with the church at Ephesus. And he says, to the, uh, verse 1, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Lord, we ask your blessings this morning upon your written word. We thank you for its preservation these many years. And Father, now for your spoken word, use it, Lord, to speak to our hearts about a need within us. Grant, Lord, that your spirit would, would move in our midst, speaking to us about our relationship to you. And, Father, we're going to give you praise and glory for what you're going to do this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by asking a question. Can a person be too busy doing God's work that they are too busy for God. 
I believe the answer to that is yes, as many of you did. There are many people who are always busy with church work, but, but somewhere their, their relationship with God is being neglected. After a while, people just begin going through the motions without really being involved. I remember from one of my psychology courses in college that an individual, after performing a task over a certain period of time, becomes habituated to it. It becomes a habit without the senses being involved. I'd like for you to just take a moment this morning and think about what you did just a few hours ago. What did you go through to get to church this morning? Well, you got behind the wheel of your car. You had opened the door, you had sat down in the driver's seat, you inserted the key and turned on the ignition, and the car cranked up. Then you placed the car in gear and began to drive to church. And you accelerated once you got on the highway, driving somewhere between 45 and 55 if you were out of town, a whole lot less than that hopefully if you were in town. During this time of driving to church, you were watching for the obstacles in the road. You were increasing or decreasing your speed according to the road conditions. You, you broke for the stop signs under the red light or you sped up and, and slowed down with the traffic. All the time carrying on the conversation with whoever was else was in the car with you or listening to the radio. There were many different activities and actions that, that went into your driving to church this morning. Your mind was engaged, and you made it here. But you were so used to doing it, and doing those things, it had become so familiar with you, such a habit, that you gave little thought to what you were actually doing. And that's the way many of us get in the church. We go through the motions. Someone has said that familiarity breeds contempt. And, and, and as in every proverb, there's probably an element of truth in that. But it, if it's not the contempt that, that becomes so familiar to us, it's the fact that we take things for granted. We took for granted that when you stuck the key in the ignition and you turn the switch, the car was going to start. That didn't happen to Diane earlier this week. <laughs> so somebody had to make sure we had a new battery put in the car. Ah. We take things for granted, and that, that's harmful to relationships when we begin to take one another as spouses for granted. That becomes harmful. When we take our relationship to God for granted, that becomes extremely harmful to us. For that's the most important relationship that a Christian has. 
is our relationship with Jesus Christ. The church at Ephesus had, had fallen to this level in their relationship with Christ. Now, this is not what we would call a bad church. When we start reading what he had to say about this church, we find a whole lot of good things there. Jesus had several good commendations. He knew their works, first of all. This was a dynamic, active church. There were things going on in this church. I'm sure that all the, the proper things were happening. There, there were prayer meetings and Bible studies and, and acts of benevolence and, and maybe some witnessing and some mission work. Jesus also said that this was a dedicated church. He uses the word labor there, referring to the burdens and the troubles which this church had suffered with. But they were dedicated to continuing on. We find this to be a determined church, that Christ commended them for their patience. The word patience is used here with the the idea of enduring whatever obstacles were before them. And they were living at a time with, with tremendous persecution. And there were tremendous obstacles to their being involved in the things of Christ. But they endured. Fourth, they were commended for being a disciplined church. They would not tolerate evil. They believed in holiness. I could call them a holiness church. I don't know. But they were doing what Christ had instructed them to do in their holiness with Christ. They they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. This was a group that believed that Christ had given them such liberty that they could continue to sin without retribution. And then Christ commended them for being a discerning church. They were not an anything-goes church. They cared about the purity in the pulpit and, and proper biblical doctrine. And for all these things, Christ commended them. So this was a good church. But in verse 4, we find that he levies a serious charge against them. Yes, This was a dynamic church. Yes, it was a dedicated church. Yes, it was a determined church. Yes, it was a disciplined church. Yes, it was a discerning church. Yet in spite of all of these positive things, Jesus knew that something was seriously wrong with this church. And he said, nevertheless, I have something against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. In other words, they no longer love God in the way that they had at one point in time. I hold this against you. You no longer have your first love. Our Lord Jesus is able to look beyond the flurry of our activities and look straight into our hearts. You know, when we look at this church, we would think it would be a great church. I mean, to find all this stuff going on would would lead us to think that maybe this was even a perfect church. I can just imagine what what we might be thinking, you know, about this church. Uh, They have a great youth program. They're involved in their community. They They have a great choir and great music. This has got to be the happening place to go to. But Jesus looked beyond the outward appearance and he gets to the very crux of the matter, to the heart of the matter. Despite of all their good deeds, this church has a major heart problem. 
and a church that does not have a healthy heart will not last long. This church no longer loved Jesus the way that they once did. Their relationship with Christ was no longer vibrant. It had become stale, and they were taking it for granted. They were going through all of the right motions, but giving very little thought to their relationship with Christ. One of the things that bothers me today is that there are many churches and many individuals who are in that same condition. Outwardly, things look great. But inwardly, the heart is no longer filled with the love for Jesus Christ. Trying to live the Christian life without being filled with love for Him will soon cause us to wind up empty and a shell of what Christ intends for us to have and to be. Here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus gives us some steps for renewing our love affair with Him. The love for Christ that we have should grow. It should not diminish. I'm going to use my wife as an example. We've been married 41 years. My love for her is much deeper than it was 41 years ago. It's different. It's a different kind of love, but it's a much stronger, a much more committed, a much deeper love. And that's the way our relationship with Jesus Christ should be. You know, when we come to faith in Christ and we invite Him into our lives, you know, there's an excitement that goes on. And there's, there's a love affair that, that begins. But when we've been in the body of Christ and we've been a member of, uh, of the Christian uh, faith and been serving our Lord for 40 years... And our relationship with Him is no different than it was when we became a Christian. There's something wrong. These three steps begin with the first, remember from where you have fallen. The church at Ephesus, in spite of all it had going for it, had fallen. It had fallen away. They had fell from their position. They had fallen away from their love for Christ. Jesus told His church to remember from where they had fallen. In other words, remember what their relationship once was like. Do you remember the day you were saved? Do you remember the thrill, the joy, the peace of mind that you received the moment you said yes to Christ and to His great love for you? I do, even though I was only eight years old at the time. I was in a revival service in Virginia Beach when we were living up there at the time. We were attending Bayside Baptist Church, and there was a revival going on. And I went down one night. The church was meeting. If you go up that way now, you'll find the Bayside Baptist Church is a pretty large church. At that time, it was meeting in a warehouse. And we had some pews in there, some old pews that had been borrowed from other churches. But I remember going in that night, and I remember as the Spirit moved me, 
that I got out and walked down the aisle. I grabbed a preacher by the hand and said, Preacher, I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my life. I can remember it. Can you remember it? I remember how I felt. I remember how excited I was. One tendency that we as humans seem to share is forgetfulness. This can be true with children. Have you ever noticed the twinkle in the eyes of a child on Christmas morning when they're sitting around and they're opening all their presents? And they're throwing the paper here and there and everywhere. And they're getting this toy out and that toy out and the other toy. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to put all three of them, four of them, five of them together and, and use them all at the same time. Have you ever noticed two weeks later? <laughs> they get shoved up under the bed or at the back of the closet or left outside. Placed in a toy box. The novelty has worn off. The newness has worn off completely. And that's the way we get with our relationship with Christ sometimes. We, we get so involved in, in, in doing things that the newness of our relationship with Him wears off. And we kind of just... Take and put it in the back of the closet. We should never allow that to happen in our relationship with Jesus. Our memories can be very powerful. They can stir up powerful emotions. Peter said in 2 Peter 1 and 3, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Jesus knew that if the church could just remember the joy and the freshness of their first love as they walked with Him, that it would would stir up old desires and, and awaken a new hunger for fellowship with Him. We need to take time to go back. To the time when 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 we were starting out in our relationship with Jesus. We need to go back and, and feel those those feelings of, of of joy and peace and happiness that we had. We need to allow them not only as individuals but as a church. We need to hearken back to the history of this church. Granted, it's, it's hard to talk with people who, who, who were here. I, I don't think any of them are, are living today. When this church was first, uh, it came, came into being. But we need to hearken back and, and, and look back at the times when this church was very vibrant. When this church was, was excited about what God was doing. Let that stir up some desires within us to reclaim those times and allow them to make memories for today's generation of Conway Baptist Church. Have you ever noticed that we take action 
on those things we desire. We take action on those things that we desire. Guys, you see a nice looking young lady and you want to date her. So what do you do? You call her up. You ask her out. You do something to try and have that dream become a reality. It's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. If we want a vibrant, growing relationship with God, we've got to take some action. We've got to do some things. We first of all need to just remember Sometimes it means extra work doing without some things so we can get what we want. But, but when we remember the joy of our first love with Christ, there's a longing in our hearts that begins us to move us towards home. I wish that God would help us to remember that joy. When he was the most important person in the world. More important than our, our jobs, our careers, or our money. For out of that first love's joy was a hunger that wanted more and more of Jesus. Remember. Then Jesus talks about a second step. He says to repent. We need to make sure that we understand this. Jesus wasn't talking to lost people in this passage. He was talking to people who were saved. He was talking to his church. And he didn't use a different word. He didn't use a a smilder word or, or something that meant less. As a matter of fact, the form of this same word was used to describe what John came preaching. And the same word was used to describe what Jesus preached in his day. It was used by Peter to address the mob that, that crucified Jesus when he told them to repent and believe. We must, as believers in Jesus Christ, repent. We must turn around from our ways. When we have lost our first love, we need to go to God and confess, Lord, I've lost it. I've gone astray. I've gone down a road I don't need to be going down. I need to get back to you. I come seeking your forgiveness and your help to get my life and my relationship with you back where it needs to be. Because I remember what it was, and I want that again. There are some who have a hard time believing that the church ever needs to repent. But Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus, and he said, repent. Now remember, this was a a dynamic, dedicated, determined, disciplined, discerning church. And all that they had done was just had lost a little bit of their passion. That's all that had happened to them. They had lost a little of their passion for Jesus. And Satan, he wants us to view this as as some petty little something without any real dire consequences. But Jesus knows the danger. He knows the importance of maintaining a heart that is full of love for him. It's a dangerous and perilous situation. To lose our first love for Christ because to do so was sin. Charles Finney once preached a message he called 
backslidden in the heart. And in this message, he describes those who are backslidden in heart as losing their consecration to God, leaving their first love, and withdrawing themselves from that state of entire and total surrender to God and coming again under the control of a self-pleasing spirit. Folks, we need to examine our own hearts. And if one or more of these things has happened to us as present in our lives, we need to repent. Even though we may go through all the right motions, when we leave our first love, it doesn't take long till all that we do becomes a drudgery and a task instead of joy. Listen to some of the points Finney said in this message. He says there comes a loss of spiritual enjoyment. There's an outward formality in religious exercises that is emotionless and cold. There's a desire for worldly amusements to attempt to fill the vacuum. And it doesn't take long to become critical and self-indulgent. In those situations, where is the passion for Christ. Jesus looked at this church and he said it needed to repent because it was going through the motions. And going through the motions will never please God. If we're not burning with a passion for Christ, we need to examine our hearts and we need to repent. And he talks about the third step. That is, redo the first works. Christ called for action upon the part of the church. You see, love is more than just a feel-good type of emotion. It's a commitment. Marriage counselors will often tell couples who have lost the feelings of love to do acts of kindness towards each other, much like they did when they were first dating. Maybe like giving each other a compliment upon greeting each other or buying some flowers or candy for the other. Because what these counselors have discovered is that couples who are willing to redo the acts of first love are often able to recapture the magic and the emotions of the first love. So Jesus told the church at Ephesus to to redo the first works. What was he talking about? Well, I think if we go to Acts 19, we can find out that the first works require placing an emphasis on being filled with the Spirit. Folks, we need not be ashamed to be just a little bit Pentecostal at times. You know, there's nothing wrong with with, with shouting a little bit when you're excited about Christ. There's nothing wrong with, with raising our hands in praise and celebration for what God has done for us. There's nothing wrong with having an amen every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with being excited about our relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd love to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote to this very church in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When you look at the Greek context there, it means continually filled. 
It's not just a, a one-time event that happened years ago. The filling with the Holy Spirit is something that would be continuous in our life from morning to night, 25, 24-7. 365 days of the year. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. We need that hunger every day for the Lord to anoint us with a fresh oil. Going back to our first work requires an emphasis through preaching and teaching on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. That's where Jesus where God reigns or where he rules. It's not just some place out there. The kingdom of God is, though it includes that, it's not just something out there that we're striving for, that, that, that we'll get there one day. The kingdom of God begins right here in our hearts the moment we invite Christ to come in. That's when we become a part of the kingdom of God. And we need to preach that all the time. We need to witness to that. We need to teach that the kingdom of God begins here and now. If God doesn't rule in our hearts and our lives in this world here and now, we're missing out on all the experiences He wants us to have. Thirdly, He says, there must be an emphasis on divine intervention in the life of the church. God was working in His church and it needs to be emphasized. I love what Connie had to say this morning about uh, what the Baptist men were doing, the brotherhood, and how God intervened in that situation. We need to hear more stories like that. We need to hear more things of, of how God is working. And we need to expect God to do things like that. Part of the problem is we don't expect it. What were you expecting when you came here this morning? Preacher Willis can be in the pulpit. Be like old times. Well, it is in some ways like old times. But were you expecting God to move? Were you expecting God to be here? Were you expecting to meet Him here this morning? Were you expecting to, to see Him moving in hearts this morning? Were you expecting to see lives changed this morning? If you didn't, then you've come for the wrong reason. When we look at churches that are growing across our country now, there are churches that are expecting things, God to do things in their lives. And they're willing to give God the credit for it, which, which brings us to the next thing that, we, that our first works require. That's an emphasis on reverencing the Lord and praising Him. The name of the Lord was magnified. It was praised. Not just when they met together. It was praised out in the marketplace, in the byways, and the highways. They didn't have big church buildings like we do. They met in homes. But when they saw one another, they greeted one another. And they gave praise to God in those greetings. And they told others in the community that God was doing something. God was at work in Jesus Christ, revealing Himself and His great love for mankind. Do you want what we've experienced? 
Christ. Do you want the salvation that we have? That's what they were doing. All the while being persecuted for it. But they still did it. And they were happy about it. They were joyous about it. They were praising God in the midst of it. How many of us can praise God when things don't go good? I can talk about that a little bit in the Sunday school lesson this morning. You know, it's a whole lot easier to, to praise God when we're on the mountaintop, when things are working out the way we want them to work out. But are we praising God when things don't quite work that way? When God's not working the way we want Him to work. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Our daily lives need to be not only Christ-centered, but Christ-praised every day. When we lose our first love, there's no joy in the church. People are no longer excited about God or His kingdom or His presence. There's no real joy in our worship. You've heard me say it before. These pews ought to be filled every Sunday with people giving praise to God for what He's doing. But when we allow other things to come in. We allow other things to take us away from our first love. There's not an excitement in our worship. There's no real praise in our worship or in the marketplace. just go through the motions friends we need to recapture our first love here at Conway Baptist Church we need to allow his spirit to permeate our very souls if we as the people of God are not excited about what God is doing. How can we expect the heathen to even know he exists? It's time that we recaptured, rediscovered our first love for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you again this morning for the blessings of your love, For the fact, Lord, that you, you recall us. You love us so much that, that when we go astray, you want to bring us back unto you. Father, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit might move us to recapture our first love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our invitation hymn this morning. Uh
is number 528, my Savior first of all. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, This message this morning is probably for those of us who believe in Christ. That we need to recapture our first love. And if your heart is not burning with a passion for Christ as a Christian, you need to come to this altar this morning. You need to kneel. And you need to take these steps. Begin, first of all, by repenting. Of the fact that you've lost your first love. You're no longer as involved in the relationship with Christ and growing that relationship as you ought. If you need encouragement in your walk, I'll be down front to pray with you, to encourage you. In whatever way God is speaking to you or has spoken to you this morning, He wants you to respond. He wants you to take some action. Would you respond to him as we stand together and sing? Show my redeemer. 